Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one, go. Welcome to NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill on, on, on 710WOR. Welcome. I'm Jeffrey Hill, your host right here on 710WOR Radio in New York City. With me is my producer, the famous Flipsinator. I'm ready to go back to sleep. Uh, but no, 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 Flips. I talked to you, before, those, I, I talked to you before the show. I said, Flips, I need you today. I need. Oh no, no, I'll, I'll be here after the you know this part. But okay, all right. right now, just all right. So, so drink some coffee. I think I think it's coffee. Yeah, throw some directly into the eye. So that that always works. Just yeah. make sure it's not too hot because we don't we want to be you to be able to see the board. All right. <laughs> all right, my friend. Uh, this is the third week of the new year. Everyone, we are still loaded with optimism and excitement. Isn't that right, Flips? Well, not when it comes to making cannabis legal. Okay, well, that's a different issue, which yeah. we'll get into shortly. But I can just feel the optimism and excitement oh, optimi- pouring, of course. pouring across the table. Of course. It's very exciting. I have an, excitement, an exciting announcement to make. Devon, who's the head of the video crew here, has got uh, somebody important with him, uh, Jamal. All right, so Jamal, by the way, is also wearing a Yankee hat. That's all that matters. Flips is wearing a Yankee hat. I got two out of four Yankee hats. We're friends now. I'm getting a little ill. What do you think of, uh, you know, basically Cora and half these other guys getting expelled from the game? I think it's great. Right? Two years of fire, the Houston team. Yeah. Fine $5 million. Remarkable, right? Apparently, Jarita, Tom Brady cleaned out his locker. Uh, I didn't quite hear that, but yeah. that would make sense. The, the season is over. No, no, I mean, like, cleaned it out, like, I think he's selling his house. No, well, that would be that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting because uh, you know my family lives like thirty minutes from uh, from Foxborough, right? okay. from Gillette Stadium, and everybody's excited to see what the next steps are with our friend Mr. Brady. I certainly, I personally, I'm hoping he comes back. And I think he's got several good years left. However, they got to put some players around him. Okay, True. can we move on with the show? Would that be all right? Yeah, go ahead. All right, good. All right, so we are available right here every Sunday morning at eight a.m. on seven ten WOR Radio. The show then becomes available in a podcast. On the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, and Spotify, just search NYCBD Official. The show is also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And as I said earlier, and I introduced some of the folks, we're shooting the show live for our YouTube channel. All can be found at NYCBD Official. All right, let's tell the folks about the four segments of our show. The first segment is called... Canvas in the Tri-State, plus one, and the plus one, of course, is Massachusetts, where I will update you on key cannabis issues in all four states. The second segment is called Stunning and Amazing Facts, what I consider to be the most relevant issues and opportunities in the space since last week. Each segment is called a... It's a stunner. It's a stunner. It is. And it's stunning, but Flips has gotten that right literally five or six consecutive <laughs> weeks, right? I was just hoping he wouldn't drop off, you know? I mean, after he's got a roll going, and nah. uh, he seems to be doing good. Yeah. I'm proud of you. For our third segment, today's guest, we're excited to introduce Leif Harrison, the CEO of the Americas for Elixinol, one of the largest global CBD businesses in the United States. I did the interview in person at the MJ BizCon show in Las Vegas. You may recall that show ran about three or four weeks ago, had 37,000 folks there, and the Elixinol CEO clearly was one of the most important companies and one of the most important executives. 
Lastly, we will end with our fourth segment called Your Messages, providing answers to the most interesting direct messages we receive following last week's show. We'll be back with our first segment, Cannabis in the Tri-State Plus One, right after this. Are you waking up the day after a workout, tennis match, or even a long walk just feeling it? Introducing CBDeliveryNY.com to help you live the life you know you can. They carry superior CBD made from the highest quality hemp, grown and harvested under the strictest regulations. Their sales force, certified trainers, physical therapists, and yoga teachers, all of whom have gone through rigorous education, helping them to understand what the power of plants can do for your overall wellness. So start 2020 off right. Try one of their New Year's product bundles. Go to CBDeliveryNY.com. That's CBDeliveryNY.com to find out what the power of plants can do for you. Welcome back to NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill right here every Sunday at 8 a.m. Recall we have a pretty substantial blog under medium.com slash at Jeffrey Hill 2. That's my blog at medium.com slash at Jeffrey Hill 2. There's quite a bit on there, so take a look. All right, let's move on to the first segment of our show, Cannabis in the Tri-State Plus One. Maybe the best thing to do is to step back a little bit and talk about the entire region. A year ago, marijuana legislation looked like it was on a roll in the Northeast. It had already passed in three of the region's states, Massachusetts, Vermont, and Maine, and was a priority for governors in three more, including New York. Now, after legislative efforts stalled and a vaping sickness stirred new concerns, the governors of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut still want to make recreational pot legal. They and Pennsylvania's governor have been comparing notes on how to do it. This year, let's work with our neighbors to coordinate a safe and fair system, said New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo last week. (laughs) His state hosted the four Democratic governors for an October summit on this issue, and there's a lot more to be discussed on that point. Perhaps you could tell from that relatively interesting sound effect brought to us by our producer, Flips, that there's a little bit of a political challenge with our governor. Not a fan. All right, let's look a little closer at New York. Governor Andrew Cuomo pushed for cannabis legalization during his 2020 State of the State address last week. Cuomo had included legalization in his 2021 budget last year. However, the proposal was pulled after legislative leaders said they would prefer the measure be approved by lawmakers rather than through the omnibus budget bill. New York faces a $6 billion budget shortfall, he said in his speech. Cuomo indicated a cannabis-derived revenues could bring in $300 million a year in tax revenues. During his remarks, he suggested his office would create a new office of cannabis management. All right. So what did he do? Well, last month he hired Norman Bierenbaum, the former top cannabis regulator in Rhode Island, to help craft legalization policies and oversee the adult use medicinal cannabis, hemp and CBD industries. All right, a little bit of perspective here. BDS Analytics, recall Roy Bingham was on our show about 10 weeks ago. He said that the company is estimating a 1.6 billion market in New York alone for cannabis. 
All right, so let's take that apart a little bit. Here's a state that needs tax revenue, right? We have all kinds of issues. We have a subway system that is struggling. We have foundation challenges. We have school challenges. Roads, we have a number of other challenges. Homeless. All, all those things. Yeah. All right, so here's $300 million of found money, right? $300 million if they're right on the $1.6 billion. And that still doesn't define exactly what kind of tax structure there's going to be. It could be more than that, right? Okay. So... Where are we? Well, we're mired, as we always are, in political dynamics, right? So we can't seem to get this thing done. This is the second year he's promised $300 million in incremental tax money. Perhaps this is the year. All right, let's move on to New Jersey. We are fast approaching a few hundred days until election when New Jersey voters will decide whether recreational cannabis should be legal. The most recent poll found that 62% of New Jersey residents are in favor of ending marijuana prohibition in the state. I believe those numbers. I would be more shocked if the referendum failed than I would be if the Jets, Giants, or Knicks made the playoffs this year. (laughs) Thoughts on that, Flips? That's not funny. Oh, I thought it was pretty funny. Of course, if we're up in Boston, we couldn't make that case because most of the Boston teams are likely to do somewhat well this year. All right, let's move on. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, despite the inevitable legalization, vote later this year in the state of New Jersey. As I've said on my air repeatedly, the state is still arresting how many? 600 people per week, almost 100 people per day for cannabis-only offenses. Can anyone explain to me, Flips, take a shot at this in a minute, the rationale for this other than the economics associated with fines for these 30,000 people who are likely to be arrested prior to the referendum in November. What I don't understand is when we, we would make more money if it just became legal, like more tax money, right. rather than There's, having these people pay fines. Right. There's no question that there'd be yeah. a lot so more then, benefit. And also the medicinal value of the space would be further recognized. And the business climate would be enhanced. Get it together, guys. There's almost 300,000 people working in the space now. There's 58 to 65,000 businesses in the United States. If these states could simply get out of their own way, once they've made the commitment, I'm not suggesting they should or they shouldn't make the commitment, but once they've made the commitment to do it, then why don't you go ahead and execute? Yeah. The challenge with the government seems to be we can't seem to get out of our own way. We can't seem to execute on those ideas that all of us would like to see moved forward. (laughs) Right. All right, let's move on to Massachusetts. Joe Kennedy, formerly anti-marijuana, is co-sponsoring a comprehensive legalization bill. A bill to federally legalize marijuana and implement restorative justice policies gained a notable co-sponsor. Yes, he is Joe Kennedy III, who only recently backed cannabis reform after being a longtime opponent. The congressman signed on to the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment Expungement Act, also known as MORE, M-O-R-E, raising the total number of co-sponsors on that bill to 67. The legislation, which was approved by the House Judiciary Committee last year and is soon expected to be taken up under another panel, the Energy Commerce Commission, which Kennedy sits on. This latest action stands in stark contrast Let me repeat that. Stark contrast to the congressman's previous record. Not only did Kennedy unsuccessfully campaign against legalization in his home state of Massachusetts, but he also voted against modest bipartisan House measures such as an amendment allowing veterans to access medical cannabis and another shielding children and families who use CBD from federal enforcement. He also received criticism in 2018 when he suggested that marijuana should remain criminalized so that it's easier for law enforcement to search people's vehicles. 
quote, if you smelled marijuana in a car, you could search a car, he said, quote, when it became decriminalized, you couldn't do that, close quote. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this needs further discussion. All right. So the Kennedy family is revered in the state of Massachusetts, as they should be, right? Generations of commitment to public service, which we all respect, right? I grew up with the Kennedy families as almost, you know, kind of a godlike family in the state of Massachusetts, right? And many of the leadership of that family, right, has done great service to the country. So here we are several generations later, and we've now got Joe Kennedy, all right, the third, who comes out very anti-cannabis, all right, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is this quote that he said, and I'm sure he'd like to take it back and retract this quote, that talks about the fact that I can smell, if I smell marijuana, I can go ahead and search, right, because that gives the policeman reasonable, you know, cause to go ahead and search the car, all right? So keep in mind, this is a state that is adult use legal, means this is is far away from law today in Massachusetts, his state, as you could possibly imagine. But it's this kind of mentality that seems to want to stay with us, right? This confusion, here's an entire state that's moved in this direction, is getting tremendous medicinal value. People that have autism, epilepsy, depression, and a whole host of other things are being treated with this product in the state of Massachusetts. And yet Joe Kennedy finally comes out with this position. All right, this new development is sure to disappoint the congressman's relative, former Representative Patrick Kennedy, who is a co-founder of prohibitionist group Smart Approaches to Marijuana, also known as SAM, and continues to be a leading voice against legalization. Patrick's wife, Amy Kennedy, is running for Congress this year as well, raising fresh questions about which direction family members will take on the increasingly popular issue of marijuana reform. All right, I think we should probably move on. Let's take a look at the town of Pittsfield in Western Mass. Recreational marijuana sales have been a boon to Pittsfield's ability to stash money away in case of an emergency or downturn, a strategy that a state official said Thursday could be useful in other communities as well. So let's look at that. Through the first two quarters of the fiscal year, 2020, right, which they are now in, Pittsfield brought in 448000 in revenue. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. From two adult-use recreational dispensaries that operate within the city limits. A third will open soon, which could push the total year's figure to $1 million, says Mayor Linda Tyler of Pittsfield. How do they do that? Well, 6.25% is the sales tax, about 11% is the state excise tax, and then another 3% is laid on by the community, in this case, Pittsfield. Right? So I 
had a house upstate in New Lebanon, roughly seven miles from Pittsfield. I can tell you that a lot of the economy of Pittsfield pretty much lost its energy for an extended period of time. Its ability to generate incremental revenue is virtually uh, at best challenged up there because of what's happening from a kind of a... um, an economic standpoint, and along comes cannabis, which is doing two things. One, it's helping medicinally with all those folks that are using it up there. And secondly, it's putting a half a million dollars into the city coffers, which they simply wouldn't be getting under almost any other circumstances. All right, so there you go. Quite remarkable. There you have it, the latest cannabis news in the Tri-State plus Massachusetts. When we come back, we will move to stunning and amazing facts. So come on right back. Are you waking up the day after a workout, tennis match, or even a long walk just feeling it? Introducing CBDeliveryNY.com to help you live the life you know you can. They carry superior CBD made from the highest quality hemp, grown and harvested under the strictest regulations. Their sales force, certified trainers, physical therapists, and yoga teachers, all of whom have gone through rigorous education, helping them to understand what the power of plants can do for your overall wellness. So start 20 2020 off right. Try one of their New Year's product bundles. Go to cbdeliveryny.com. That's cbdeliveryny.com to find out what the power of plants can do for you. It's like this and like that and like this and Welcome back. This is Jeffrey Hill right here on 710WOR Radio every Sunday morning. As you know, when the show airs right afterwards, it goes on as a podcast on iHeartRadio iTunes and Spotify. We also have a blog at medium.com slash at Jeffrey Hill too, a full range of social media and a YouTube station, all at NYCBD official. All right, let's move on to the next segment of our show, stunning and amazing facts. Let's start with a few stunners on the medical dynamics we are seeing on both opioid use and sleep aids. All right, stunner number one is on opioid use. Study after study continues to show that when given a choice, patients will choose marijuana over prescription opioids, and according to new research, doctors prescribe fewer opioids in states with recreational and medicinal cannabis laws on the books. The data also shows a reduction in the total day's supply of opioids prescribed, the total number of patients receiving opioids, and the probability a provider prescribes any opioids at all, said researchers from the University of Alabama School of Law and the Vanderbilt University Law School, who concluded a recent study published in the Journal of Health and Economics. Researchers also found that in the five medical specialties with the highest opioid prescribing rates, prescriptions fell by 28% in states with legal adult use marijuana and 7% when medical marijuana was available. All right, so let's examine that for a minute. I think it's pretty clear, both clinically, professionally, and from virtually any perspective, that if you have an opioid challenge you can address that challenge through the use of cannabis. Number one, it addresses a good portion of the pain-related challenges, says the clinical data. And number two, it is far less addictive, obviously. All right, so let's take a look at that, and now let's move on to sleep aids. People are skipping, skipping, skipping. They're skipping, too, but let's go with skipping. In favor of marijuana, studies show a new study found that fewer people purchase over-the-counter sleep medications when they have legal access to cannabis. Results show that the market share growth for sleep aids shrank with the entry 
of recreational cannabis dispensaries by more than 200% relative to the mean market share growth in our sample. And the strength of the association increased with each subsequent dispensary. So, sleep aids, declines, right, when there is adult-use cannabis or medicinal cannabis in the marketplace, and as more dispensaries open, therefore giving more access to the demand out there, it declines even further. The paper published in the December edition of Complementary Therapies in Medicine concludes, in particular, cannabis appears to compete favorably with OTC sleep aids, especially those containing diphendramine and doxylamine. How am I doing on that one, Flips? I think you nailed it. I was going to ask you to pronounce those, but I Not thought, uh, you know, you would look too smart. Yeah. Okay, those constitute 87.4% of the market for OTC sleep aids, including popular brands like Unisom and P&G's NyQuil. All right? So, recall that we had, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Roy Bingham, CEO of BDS Analytics on. They're doing ongoing evaluation of what is happening in adult use states to OTC meds, and they are seeing consistent reduction in sleep aids, opioid use, and a whole host of other things once cannabis comes into the marketplace. All right, let's move on to CBD use with stunner number three. The FDA would be required to allow CBD product marketing under a new bipartisan bill. A bipartisan coalition of lawmakers have introduced a new bill that will allow for hemp-derived CBD to be lawfully marketed as a dietary supplement. While hemp and its derivatives were federally legalized under the 2018 Farm Bill, the Food and Drug Administration is still in the process of developing regulations that would let businesses sell it in the food supply as a nutritional supplement. Former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb said that rulemaking could take years without congressional action, which he's encouraging. This legislation could be one way to resolve the problem in that it amends the the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act to include CBD in the definition of... (laughs) This legislation could be one way to resolve the problem in that it amends the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act to include CBD in the definition of dietary supplements. All right. Bipartisan allies in Congress and in the grassroots have worked hard for many years to pave the way for hemp legalization. The congressman said in its first year, Kentucky's industrial hemp industry added hundreds of new jobs and how much? A hundred million dollars to the state's economy. Recall that Kentucky is the largest producer of hemp and they are generating significant incremental revenue as a result. Numerous lawmakers, including, much to our surprise, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican from where? Kentucky, of course, has made clear to FDA that Congress intended to allow CBD products to be marketed when it passed the legalization provision, and they urged the agency to expeditiously enact regulations allowing for that activity. All right, so what does that say? That says that the leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, who has any number of political views... Is actually working. Okay, thank you very much, Flips. (laughs) Is very committed to CBD. Why? CBD is made from hemp. Who's the largest producer of hemp in the United States? Well, Kentucky is, all right? So that makes nothing but sense to me, all right? So I have no problem with him kind of supporting, right, his constituency. But the bigger notion is not the constituency. The bigger notion is hemp equals CBD. CBD has medicinal value. That should be the reason it gets moved into a supplement so that people can get exposed to that medicinal value without any concerns. Right? Thoughts on that, Flips? I agree. I'm just right, happy well, they, to see somebody doing something. 
There you go. Now, Mitch is a little bit busy, perhaps with the impeachment and a number of other issues that he's wrestling with, where he doesn't seem to be quite as, shall we say, nonpartisan. He could take a break and do what he's got to do now. All right. Stunner number four. Let's look at some creative ideas for legalization. You'll love this one. The New Hampshire legislature is set to once again take up the issue of medical legalization this session. But this time, there's a new strategy that lawmakers hope will overcome challenges they've faced previously. A bill filed last week would allow adults 21 and older to possess and gift up to three-fourths of an ounce of cannabis, and they could grow up to six plants. Missing from the legislation is a commercial sales element, which was intentionally left out to bolster its chances of passage. That means the proposal would essentially mirror the current marijuana modeling of neighboring Vermont, which became the first state to enact a legal cannabis system through the legislature in 2018. While there are no recreational marijuana shops in the state, adults are allowed to grow their own and possess it for personal use. All right, so let's take a look at that. It's interesting. So here's a couple of states that are trying to pursue medicinal marijuana. Okay, we give them credit, right? But they've parsed it. They've parsed it. What is that called? Peeled back the onion? they parsed this thing yeah. pretty finely, right? So what they're suggesting is we're not going to sell it in dispensaries. We're not going to sell it in any retail format. We're simply going to allow you, the consuming population, to grow it or possess it or gift it. All right, that's pretty fascinating. So since you can, if you're good at growing, right, good at growing, you can produce two pounds from a plant, six plants, 12 pounds, right? Is that a good idea? I'm not so sure. But nonetheless, that's what this regulation suggests. All right, let's move on to stunner number five. Sounds like it could go bad very fast. Uh, it could, perhaps. Right. Okay, let's, let's, let's not even imagine what some of the problems might be as a direct result of everybody growing their own, as opposed to, um, you know, kind of more state-regulated dispensaries, which in my mind is the better way to be selling things that are being prescribed by doctors, right? Yeah. Okay. So... California Governor Gavin Garen Newsom announced on Saturday that he signed several marijuana-related bills into law, including one that will let legal businesses take advantage of more tax deductions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not sure how much you know about this. This is a little bit in the weeds. But there is a law called 280E. That's current federal law. That's a tax code. Basically, it says that anything that is considered federally illegal, right, but you cannot deduct expenses to, to reduce your federal taxes, all right? So if you have one of the, I think it's 60,000 legal businesses in this country, what does that mean? Well, that means you can't deduct normal and customer expenses, like salaries, like any form of um, benefits, um, like your rent, like any number of other things, which makes the effective tax rate in this category close to 70%. You combine that with the fact that this is a cash-only business, right? Credit cards are still basically not taken, right, for all the reasons we all know. And the business is pretty darn challenging, isn't it, all right? But California is trying to address that. Under AB 37, the state tax code will depart from Internal Revenue Service policy when it comes to 280E, allowing licensed state cannabis firms the ability to take deductions just like any other business. On a related topic, Governor Newsom begrudgingly vetoed legislation that would have required 
required certain healthcare facilities to allow terminally ill patients to use medical cannabis on site. This bill would create significant conflicts between federal and state laws that cannot be taken lightly, the governor suggested. Things like Medicare and Medicaid funds might be disallowed since they are managed at the federal level, and of course it's Schedule 1 at the federal level. So it just shows you how complex and complicated this category continues to be when you've got a federal government declaring that the product is Schedule 1, and you've got state governments that believe it has tremendous medicinal value. In fact, 33 states feel that way, and 11 states feel it should be adult use. Right? It is inconceivable that the federal government continues to regard cannabis as having no medical value, Governor Newsom said, which is the definition, as I said earlier, of Schedule 1, which cannabis is indeed classified. He added that it's ludicrous stance puts patients and those who care for them in an unconscionable position. All right? And I would agree. So here you have cannabis, which if you are an oncologist and you've been studying the power of plants and the power of cannabis, you know it can help address pain. Right? Articles have been written that talks about it's important for sleep. Many other articles have been written that talks about it's important to induce appetite. These are all fundamental problems of a cancer patient. Right? So if somebody in my family is experiencing some form of cancer, which has happened in my family, right? Uh, I'd say, thank God my dad lives in Massachusetts, where these things are easily available to him, and in many other states where it indeed is available. But imagine the states where it's not available. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And you have somebody in your family that's suffering from these diseases. How's that make you feel? How's it make them feel? Think about that. Okay, that wraps up our Stunning and Amazing Facts segment. Before we go to break, I want to thank all of you for the wonderful DMs regarding the launch of my new company, CBDeliveryNewYork.com. A new firm focusing on what the power of plants can do for your personal wellness. Our sales folks, also called brand ambassadors, consist of fitness trainers, physical therapists, yoga teachers, chiropractors, some internists, and even GPs. Yet these are trained medical professionals, MDs, right, who have studied Western medicine all these years and now believe in the power of plants. I'll call that more, quote, Eastern. Anyone can sign up to become an ambassador if you'd like. We will be fully training all of our folks on CBD and the power of plant-based wellness and what it can do for you and your family. When we come back, we'll move on to the third segment of our show, today's guest, where I have the pleasure of introducing the CEO of the Americas for Elixinol, one of the most important CBD firms in the world. So come on right back. Are you waking up the day after a workout, tennis match, or even a long walk just feeling it? Introducing CBDeliveryNY.com to help you live the life you know you can. They carry superior CBD made from the highest quality hemp, grown and harvested under the strictest regulations. Their sales force, certified trainers, physical therapists, and yoga teachers, all of whom have gone through rigorous education, helping them to understand what the power of plants can do for your overall wellness. So start 2020 off right. Try one of their New Year's product bundles. Go to CBDeliveryNY.com. That's CBDeliveryNY.com to find out what the power of plants can do for you. 
NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill. Keep in mind, I have a blog, medium.com slash at Jeffrey Hill 2. That's medium.com slash at Jeffrey Hill 2. I suggest you take a look at that blog. There's a lot of in-depth information there. The shows are also available as a podcast on all the appropriate podcast channels, but you might think about taking a look at the YouTube since we've got four or five very important videographers taping this show. And it's a pretty interesting watch. So take a look at NYCBD Official on YouTube. All right, it is my pleasure to move on to the third segment of our show, today's guest, and introduce Leif Harrison, CEO of the Americas for Elixinol. Elixinol is a manufacturer and global distributor of industrial hemp-based dietary supplement and skincare products. It's a publicly held company trading on the OTC exchange. The company is widely regarded as one of the most influential CBD brands in the world, having won many of the most important awards in the industry. We shot this interview in Las Vegas at the MJ BizCon show, the largest cannabis show of the year. There were over 37,000 people over there in a period of three days, <laughs> a bit more than the 600 they had only six years ago. All right, let's listen to that interview. Flipsy, can we play that interview now, please? Sure. All right, so, you know, everybody in my audience, which are primarily investors, um, you know, CEOs of a number of companies, um, a lot of people in the medicinal space, uh, in science, uh, studying it academically as well as globally, um, you know, they're all very interested in how folks like yourself got into this space. So if you could chat a little bit about your background briefly and how'd you find yourself in, uh, in the cannabis business? So I came in about a year ago. Uh, I was... Uh Director of Business Development for Lixenol, Party of One. And uh, I came in because my wife's a disabled vet. And she and we sort of discovered together that uh, CBD, um, and sometimes CBD with a little bit of THC ratio to it, uh, was a tremendous pain management option for her uh, for many, many reasons above and beyond what the VA might typically prescribe vets who have uh, pretty tough injuries. Right. Uh, so I've done a number of shows on the vets and the VA. I've talked about Shulkin at great length and how he, of course, left as the head of the VA and where he didn't do much on behalf of the category. And now, of course, he's out, you know, all over the country talking about the value of, of cannabis and CBD for PTSD, you know, challenges among our vet community. But um, so then you engaged as the head of business development. And how long were you doing that, sir? So I had that role for about um, about eight months, uh, and then kind of typical of a lot of the public CBD companies in the space, uh, sort of at that five-year type mark uh, from some of the original pioneers, uh, there's tend to be company by company, uh, pretty significant turnover in leadership. And uh, we had our own turnover in leadership last summer, and that's what put me in the role of a CEO today. Well, congratulations then, sir. Uh, I happened to be in Japan not all that long ago, and uh, I saw Relixinol there, which I kind of was fascinating. But before I get into the international marketplace, I want to underscore something for my listeners, all of whom know that we are very committed to the medicinal side of the space, as I know you are as well. So if you could talk a little bit about kind of what I'll call the science behind Elixinol, that'd be helpful, please. So, uh, science is something we have tried to uh, maximize in terms of resources since day one. So, it's sort of a, I'd say sort of a, a, a two-prong approach. One is meeting the, meeting the new consumer where they are in their own wellness journey. And then number two, using science to try to provide them 
a more tailored solution than the market may be doing in general with just sort of general products off the shelf. So our long-term goal is to take uh, CBD user one by one, learn as much about them as we can, and then tailor through science solutions that tend to be more effective for them. Maybe not necessarily for other people, but for them, it's a, it's a bioavailability, it's a form, uh, it's a dosage, it's a, a full spectrum or a broad spectrum ingredient. Any combinations of those that, are, that are, tend to be optimized for how they seem to react. Right. Now, so you're really talking about flanking the brand out in terms of form factor, concentration, bioavailability, et cetera. That's essentially your message. Is that correct, sir? Right. Absolutely. And then sort of just in parallel with that is literally a rebranding on the look and feel of the product itself. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, what, as I was preparing for this interview, I, I noticed that you guys have a sports product. And uh, I've had a number of athletes on the show. Uh, we had A.J. A. Vanderchuk, who runs uh, Vayner Media. He has 25 NFL athletes. Uh, we, of course, know Tiki Barber's in the space. Ray Lewis is in the space. And the list goes on and on. Tell us a little bit about why the sport product is specific to sports, please. Well, I think it's more of a reaction to just the demand for the wellness effects of CBD, but can you get it to us in a non-detectable THC format? So it's using, essentially going from full spectrum distillate even further to a broad spectrum distillate. Technically it's not THC free, but it should be THC undetectable by most typical lab tests. And then from that, these can be active products used by folks who are in professions like professional athletics um, that have to be very cautious about what they put on their bodies, what they put in their bodies, and what the requirements for drug testing are in their space. Right. Oh, so we had a big discussion with WADA, uh, World Athletic Doping Association. On the show, we've talked about every major sport and what their requirements are in terms of nanograms of testing. Uh, and, of course, it's different all over the map. The hockey NHL is probably the most lenient, and some of the other sports are much more aggressive, although it's unclear how aggressively they're testing for cannabis, right? They're testing for many other things like PEDs and, uh, and a whole host of other things. So um, talk a little bit about the athletes that are in your, that are kind of in your community that are users, if you would, please? Uh, we, actually, we get approached all the time. Um, people who represent some of the more extreme sports, uh, typical professional sports. Um, it's, it's uh, and believe it or not, this is also, it's not just an athlete's category, but it's a product that has a need for uh, a lot of professionals such as uh, firemen, policemen, nurses, doctors. They're all looking for benefits of CBD without risk of having to explain why they may have tested positive for THC and otherwise they would have no interest in being an actual uh, marijuana user. Right. Oh, so just for the audience, and it's something that Leaf already mentioned, the notion of full spectrum includes THC as a cannabinoid, whereas uh, broad spectrum leaves THC out dominantly. There are some kind of what I'll use the term specs, very scientific term of THC, but as he said, kind of non-detectable. All right. So that's, that's very exciting. Let's talk a little bit about how, what is your plan for growth both domestically and internationally? I mentioned earlier that I'm aware that I believe you're the only brand in Japan, certainly one of the only, if not the only, but tell us a little bit about your domestic growth plans and your international plans, please. So, uh, domestically, it's it's using the rebrand um, as sort of a, a sense of visual evolution. 
but primarily my concern for 2020 is also capturing Lixanol as a brand in terms of being the most compliant in the industry. So since taking over, there's a, um, you, you could almost argue a, a professionalization or sort of a phase two on the CBD industry, which is phase one, 2014 Farm Bill, founders getting uh, businesses off the ground, uh, getting CBD in the hands of consumers. But phase two is, if it's going to be mainstream, you have to have national mainstream partners. And they won't, they don't, uh, the CBD industry needs to step up to the level of compliance and certifications in production that they're used to with all their other typical suppliers. So if it's going to be a mainstream industry, we as a supplier have to have all the right tickets punched, all the right inspections, all the right compliance and, and, and regulatory assurances that we take nothing more solemn than the fact that we make a product people put on and in their bodies, and so it's top of mind for us. So 2020 is about us as a culture within our business and also being branded as the most compliant company in the industry. So I'm interpreting from that that despite the fact that the FDA came out recently kind of uh, they're continuing to send out a number of letters, which I believe are helpful, because they're trying to challenge those that are not doing what you're describing and trying to bring some sense of civility to what is otherwise kind of a wild, wild west category. And we're beginning to see other players, right? So I come from the consumer package goods space, which all of my audience knows. I came from Procter & Gamble. I consulted for Unilever for many years. Unilever's on record as saying they're coming into the category. Uh, Nestle's already in the category. What are you doing in the way of GMP protocols or other, what I'll call, almost pharma-like quality, uh, kind of preempting the FDA coming forward? Is that something Elixinol's focused on? A hundred percent. It's not even just a differentiator for ourselves in the industry. It's just where the bar is set, where we think the industry should be. So uh, CGMP in our internal manufacturing processes, CGMP with anyone we partner with, anyone who, anyone who supplies us uh, with outside manufacturing or specific ingredients, those are the first conversations we have when we're, co we're considering how we do business in 2020. Great. So by, of course, uh, that's good manufacturing practices for those of you who get a little bit lost in the jargon. All right, let's talk a little bit about, again, this notion of international. What are your thoughts? I know you run the America's business, uh, but, you know, as we think about international, certainly outside of the U.S., we would call international, but you're also in many other countries. Describe to me a little bit the vision there, please. Right, so Elixinol Global is headquartered in Sydney, Australia. Uh, it has primarily Elixinol U.S. as its, its uh, economic engine, but we have a growing footprint in Europe, uh, and probably have products distributing to probably close to 50 countries around the world. So we think we have generally more of a global view than our typical competitors. Um, Japan, uh, we're not the only ones in Japan, but actually we're pulling out of Japan from a supplier perspective. So for people familiar with Japan, it's one of these countries where by Japanese law, your CBD has to be sourced from seeds and stocks. And if it's not you're, not, you're not playing by the rules. So as part of a leadership change last summer was a commitment to play by the rules. And if we lost markets, because we weren't, because our CBD was coming from, uh, let's say primarily from flowers and leaves, well, that may be where all CBD comes from because it's the economic way to produce it. It's the most efficacious part of the plant. 
However, uh, until Japan changes its laws, we're going to abide by laws country by country as we go. So we'll be in the markets where our products can be produced and accepted either for import or export. Right. Uh, so having worked in Japan a number of times, um, I'm familiar with some of the stringent dynamics that they have there. And while I didn't know you had pulled out because I thought you were the biggest player there at one point, I find that very consistent with your strategy of uh, maintaining uh, a high bar of quality. Exactly. Uh, our pullout was voluntary. So this was a process of self-discovery on our end about, oh, wait a minute, I don't, I don't think our product meets this spec. And after doing some internal audits across all aspects of the business, uh, it was clear to me that this is not a space that we can operate in above board. And until we do, we're not going to be there. Well, that's very shrewd. I, I will say that uh, the reason why Japan is so intriguing is because it's basically 9% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's pharmaceutical consumption. And so they're a pharmaceuticalized country. And the, as part of Southeast Asia, they go back to the power of plants going back 9,000 years. Your thoughts on that? Uh, there's a lot of rich history. I think most of it we've forgotten. Chinese, American, Japanese, you name it, uh, Europe. And uh, we're having to relearn it. And it's, it's almost a tragedy that we have to relearn it. And then we have to fight country by country, state by state, province by province, to get language that acknowledges what the opportunities are here without setting such stringent bars that at the end of the day, a business can't function. So there's a lot of tension in the industry right now, even as something as simple as, are we gonna settle once and for all? Is CBD a dietary supplement? It's, it's hope that, that was a question we were hoping to have settled by the end of 2019. Doesn't appear it's gonna be that way. And the more that open question lingers out there, the more the industry is in a tough spot about how to maneuver. No, absolutely. So. You know, the folks that have been listening to the show for the last 30 or so weeks, we've gone through a number of those dynamics and some of the ups and downs, right? We have a segment on the show. The first segment is Cannabis in the Tri-State Plus One, which is New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. And then we go into something we call the stunner section, which is kind of the global issues in the space. And these that you're describing are many of those global issues. Because what I have found, having been in business for 42 years, is unless you're kind of the government, or if you will, the FDA, and some of the other regulatory bodies are kind of working with you to create the appropriate hurdles, the appropriate analysis, the appropriate testing mechanisms, and then freeing up those companies that do that, right? Then there's a tendency to what I call throw the baby out with the bathwater. So my remark is throw out the bathwater. That's the companies that aren't doing a good job. Keep the baby. Those are folks like yourself that are stepping up to the higher levels of uh, what I'll call uh, quality standards. Yeah, I have, I have full faith and confidence that the market's going to do what it always does. And those who don't play by the rules find themselves pushed out or, or bail out on their own because they just can't make it. Those that play by the rules, there's a place for them here. Um, there's competition. It'll make us all better. Uh, but we're going to all operate at a bar, in my, in my worldview, such that the consumer at the end of the day, no matter who they go with, knows they're going with a quality product. Absolutely, because the last thing the consumer needs to worry about when they get a product home that they just bought, let's say, from CVS or Rite Aid or Whole Foods or someplace else, is what is the quality of the product inside this package. All right, so let me, let me ask you another question. Um, the 2018 Farm Bill, December of 18, basically made CBD pretty much nationally legitimate, right? 
um, yet individual states, and, and, and this is the way it was written, individual states have the right to kind of override or develop their own kind of thoughts as it relates to individual states. So take Massachusetts or Wisconsin or some others, especially after the most recent vaping scare, there's been a lot of knee-jerk reaction. Once again, this is throwing the baby out with the bathwater, using that terrible analogy perhaps, meaning that for months they've made it pretty much a ban on CBD in the state of Massachusetts. And I understand Wisconsin is thinking about a ban for up to six months. What are your thoughts on that and how does that impact a firm like yours, sir? I think we try to control the things we control. That's our character, that's our business integrity, that's our, our ethical judgment making on business decisions about what markets we're in, what SKUs we offer. If we stay out of vaping, we're staying out of it because it's too volatile. If we stay out of food and beverage, it's just not the right time. But for dietary supplement, that's, that's the war we're engaged in right now. And we work on that plus topicals because we do believe in the wellness effects uh, of CBD for the general consumer. So state by state, we, the best we can do is have the best law firms represent us with their, with their legal opinions and also have the best people on staff at the highest levels of the trade associations so that we always have the most current legal framework to operate from. But as a provider of goods to each of these states, uh, we essentially at this point have to rank them. Some are just less risk to operate in, some are so overly burdensome, either on labeling or registration or anticipated changes, that as a business, it's tough to be a steady provider at this point, given their volatility. So uh, we're just on the front edge of this. It's gonna take some time to shake out. Again, I would say we were hoping that 2019 would provide some uh, a solid frame of reference for that, and it didn't. So we're just gonna have to pick and choose our spots, but always operating from a mindset of compliance, transparency, traceability on the ingredients, and absolutely testing on every, every step of the supply chain for quality. Absolutely, so I guess my reaction is the marketplace is an enormous, it's an enormous position, right? This is just the front end of what is a tsunami of opportunity. There's 7,000 CBD brands out there, which we all know at some point will be basically narrowed down to probably a handful, which has happened in so many other categories. And so while there's a lot of energy and kind of, you know, kind of concern around some states are changing laws and regulations, from a manufacturer standpoint, isn't it fair to say the marketplace is plenty big enough? And to your point, you simply rank those and those that aren't a, a comfortable market environment, you simply avoid and try to get greater market share in those that lend themselves more to your kind of product. Is that correct? I think that's entirely correct, and I think that's also partnered with the right national retailers and using their lo local knowledge and preferences for where they would like to operate as well. So it's really, at the end of the day, when it's on the shelf, it's a partnership with the national retailer because uh, they may not be quite up to speed legally as we are, and so it's, we have to constantly educate them and sort of come to mutual decisions about which states together we should have product on the shelf and which, which we should wait to a later date. Right. So uh, just to build on that point, uh, Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aid are all carrying uh, uh, topicals, right? What is your experience in the large national chains? How has Elixinol done there? Uh, we've done well. So we probably have, I'd say, about nine major retailers at this point, including like a CVS. Uh, topicals has been the, most, the simplest way 
uh, sort of the least risk, least uh, vulnerable way in terms of, of um, a concern about FDA engagement, uh, which certainly makes sense. And it's a, it's a great entry point for topicals with just hemp or potentially topicals with CBD as well. Right up. All right, so li listen, this has been absolutely wonderful, and one of the reasons that I think Elixinol is doing so well is because they got folks like yourself kind of leading the way. So I want to thank you for coming, and at the end of everything, that every interview that I've done for 30-plus weeks, I always ask the folk, the person I'm talking to just to kind of provide some final thoughts. So you got to, yeah, I don't know, 100,000 people listening to the show probably right about now. What would you like to share with them as it relates to the category and your mission? Uh, the mission is helping the consumer enter this industry and find a wellness solution that's best tailored to them. The challenge is, as we've discussed, state by state and federal, sometimes there's direct conflicts. You have to be really nimble. You have to be committed to compliance at the highest levels possible, whether the industry requires it or not. And then as a business, like any business owner appreciates, you have to have a, a sense of agility to to maneuver through what is essentially a really volatile time. It will shake itself out. The market will decide what the market itself needs to be for this. We're very positive on what that outlook will be. Um, but it's, it may take a little bit longer to get there. So in the meantime, you strap in, you come to work each day running, and you look out for the consumer's best interests. You hope to win them over, win them to the brand, and make them a lifelong loyal customer. Absolutely. So I want to thank you, Lee, for coming by. I know how busy it is here at this conference, which indeed is the largest conference in all of the cannabis business. So thanks very much for, for coming, and I hope to talk to you again down the road. Are you waking up the day after a workout, tennis match, or even a long walk just feeling it? Introducing CBDeliveryNY.com to help you live the life you know you can. They carry superior CBD made from the highest quality hemp, grown and harvested under the strictest regulations. Their sales force, certified trainers, physical therapists, and yoga teachers, all of whom have gone through rigorous education, helping them to understand what the power of plants can do for your overall wellness. So start 2020 off right. Try one of their New Year's product bundles. Go to CBDeliveryNY.com. That's CBDeliveryNY.com to find out what the power of plants can do for you. Welcome back to NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill right here on 710WOR Radio and then available as a podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Spotify. Don't forget I write a blog. You all know the address, medium.com slash at Jeffrey Hill 2. And we have a YouTube channel and a bunch of other social all at NYCBD official. All right, on to the fourth segment of our show, responding to your messages. As I said earlier, we got many DMs asking about the CB delivery business and the interview we had with the new head of sales and the ambassador program, Jay Contessa. Here is one from Jody from Queens. Jody says, I've been anxious to try CBD for some time. I'm an athlete and my knees and ankles are always bothering me after a run. I was a triathlete, but now I'm a weekend warrior. I was anxious to try CBD, but concerned I didn't know any experts in the space. I got on your site, cbdeliverynewyork.com, and found the information simple to understand and very compelling. So I got in touch with your trainers and began a regular regimen of 25 milligrams a day and using the salve after my run. 
Okay. I can tell you in only three days, I've noticed a big difference. Should I use the product before and after a workout? What if I used more than 25 milligrams a day? Well, Jody, first, I'm glad you were getting good results from the CB delivery product. I encourage everyone in our listening audience to jump on the site and take a look. As far as dosing, the typical dosage is 25 milligrams a day, and use before and after a workout is recommended. But like all things, you need to see how it works for you. Dosing is often tied to weight, how much you weigh, and how your body reacts, right? You all know that you have an endocannabinoid system. This is what the CBD reacts to. And depending on your individual system and body and how it behaves, you could have more or less effect with different levels. So my suggestion is to experiment a bit, like we've all done, and see what works best for you. As, as you all know, my mom and dad are using the product, and they've modulated their milligrams per day. I'm a user. I've modulated my milligrams per day. And virtually everyone I know has some pretty darn good success stories within their community, and they are also kind of doing some trial and error to see how many milligrams make the most sense. All right? I hope you enjoyed today's show, and our guest, Leif Harrison, CEO of the Americas for Elixinol. We'll be back next week for another 60 minutes of the critical issues facing cannabis and CBD, the financial issues, the political implications, and the societal implications. Remember, knowledge is built brick by brick. Today, you got my 36 brick. Until next week, this is NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.